0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our guest is Yuval Kestekher, a founder of UX Writing Hub, and we're going to talk about UX writing today, and I'm very excited about this topic. This episode is brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for product design teams using Sketch. No more searching for the right version of the file, exporting and importing between tools, or trying to consolidate feedback. Now, everything is in one place. Sign your team up for a free 30-day trial today by heading over to abstract.com. Hi, Yuval.
1: Hey, Jane. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, thank you so much for joining us today. Can't wait to learn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. I'm uh, super excited to be here.
0: So before we get started on the main topic, could you tell us a bit about yourself, about your background and what you do?
1: Yes, for sure. So um, I first downloaded Photoshop when I was 14 years old. And uh, basically that was my first encounter with uh, not graphic design, but uh, learning how to operate graphical tools uh, and it was only after the army when i uh, you know in israel it's mandatory to go to the army so i finished with my army service and then i was uh, working in all kinds of different jobs and at some point i worked as a bartender in a bar and that par- bar wanted people to design a poster for the bar and mm-hmm. i i straight like i immediately volunteered i thought that, oh, I already used Photoshop before, so I probably am a good graphic designer. So I decided to design that poster (laughs) and uh, it was uh, not that great of designs, it was kind of ugly if I'm looking today. But that's when I had this aha moment when I can actually get paid for designing different stuff. So since then I had a lot of different variation of what I do in my career. I started uh, doing print design, like, as I said, posters and even newspapers and logos and stuff like that. And it was when I got my first project, uh, freelance project, to design an online education platform. It was a few years ago. Then I realized I don't know anything about user experience, nothing. And I understood that user experience design is more about psychological and attitude It's it's more about the psychological skills and analytical skills. So I just took back then every course I could that is related to UX design. Linda and Interaction Design Foundation, I even started to learn how to be a front-end developer so I could talk better with the front-end developers and craft better user experience for my audience and uh, that's about it i started writing about my processes and writing about design tools and i started gaining a lot of uh, attention and audience in the ux uh, in the ux uh, community which is fun and uh, that's what i did until i started out with the with getting more into ux writing
0: great so Tell us more about that. How did you end up in this niche and uh, how did you evolve from someone who's doing that to someone who's teaching others like you're doing now?
1: Cool. So basically, um, what happened is that... Actually, it started when my mom told me, Yuval, there isn't any future with the graphic design at all. And I told her... (laughs) I told her, "What do you mean?" And she told me, "My mom is a teacher, by the way. I have a family of uh, education people. That's that's why I really uh, I'm really into education myself." So uh, she told me, "Yes, I'm I'm a teacher, and I have uh, pupils and their parents. Nobody is a graphic designer, so there aren't any graphic designers in the world, and you can't make your career out of graphic design." And because my mom usually writes, I was very anxious about that. Stuff. <laughs> she she was. I had to consider a road for that. So uh, I, I started to think about all different kinds of futures and um, that, uh, like, where does this industry of UX design and graphic design actually, of and web and app design actually goes? And, you know, I'm really into this um, science fiction movies. I've seen The Matrix. I've seen the movie Her, <laughs> all kinds of bl- movies like Blade Runner. And I figured out that the next phase of interfaces the next type of interfaces would be uh, conversational interfaces interfaces that we will talk with and we will think that we're talking with human like voice interfaces like in that movie her and uh, chatbots and stuff like that and i figure out that uh, you know someone would have to write these kind of experiences someone would have to write characters and voice and tone and define exactly what will be the character of the interface that we are going to speak with and chat with. And that's uh, when I just was looking for different kind of uh, materials online about this topic. It was two years ago. And back then there wasn't a lot of materials about uh, writers that creating interfaces. And, And then I discovered the field of microcopy which is not about the future. It's about what's happened right now uh, when people actually writing copy for interfaces and making them more conversational, like graphic interfaces. They're writing microcopy for apps and websites and making them more engaging and making people uh, convert better using better text. So I figure out there isn't any discussion group about it. There isn't any a person I can actually follow in that field that's speaking about it all over the world. So I figure out that I will open a Facebook group and uh, I will just start to arouse and talk more about the the discussion around the topic of creating experiences using words. And that's when I uh, figure out that, you know, back then, two years ago, there was plenty of different names for that field it was UX copywriter, web copywriter, content strategist and content designer. But at some point, people figure out that the name should be UX writer. I believe that the Facebook group uh, also helped that. And uh, that's when my Facebook room became the largest discussion world, discussion group in the world for UX writers. Um, I was posting them every day for the last couple of years. At some point at the beginning, people told me, dude, you are uh <laughs> you're hallucinating, there isn't a thing, it's a, a niche of a niche of a niche and no and like you, you're not going to get anything out of it. And I was telling them, listen, there is something about this field. We need more writers to work in tech. We need to make writers understand product development processes, so we could make them the product designers, so they could craft features and motifs and storytelling techniques in our digital products, so they can actually create better experiences in our apps, in our websites, in our voice interfaces, in our chatbots, and in the future, who knows which kind of interfaces are we going to have, but the UX writers are definitely going to be there.
0: Whoa, that's a great story. And <laughs> going, back, going back to your mom saying, <laughs> saying that, my mom also said something like that when I was, let's say, I don't know, 17, 18 years old. I was making pretty decent money, something comparable to her salary. But she was like, Jane, I just... I, and I was doing a mix of uh, graphic design, you know, various gigs and uh, some illustration. She was like, Jane, I'm just gonna draw some pictures until the rest of your life. And I was like... Hmm. well i wanted to be a designer but then um, i'm really happy at the place i'm now i'm definitely not just drawing pictures <laughs> as well as yourself that's good to hear and
1: even if it's drawing pictures that's the best job ever like this is what we used to do in kindergarten just doing this fun <laughs> stuff designing is the best possible job we could possibly have this is amazing
0: so, going back to UX writing itself, you mentioned um, you mentioned content designers and UX writers. So, I would love you to kind of draw that line because I feel big difference between content being, you know, the the heart of the project within the website or within the app inside the UI, and uh, UX writing being on the shell on that UX, um, you know, on the interface that deals with content so ux writing that you're talking about what kind of writing is that
1: so i'm talking about uh, writers that are crucial part of the product team they're working hand in hand with the designers they even sit with them in the same table even and like we had 50 years ago and um, when we had, have you seen this show, uh, Mad Men, maybe? When you have these copywriters. <laughs> and, so like we had back then, when we had people that crafting um, crazy ads using design, like graphic design and words, like creative writing. So today we can just copy that and do the same in a product team on our interfaces. So I'm talking about a writer that know a little bit about design. It means that you can operate a design tool. You can open Adobe XD or Figma or Sketch. So you can actually go inside the wireframes and even before you go inside of the wireframes, is doing something that uh, we like to call the content first approach, which is crafting the words and testing them and the navigation of the website and the app before there is even wireframes and before there is even the design. It's the content first and then the wireframes are coming and then the writer can actually uh, take action inside of the design process and uh, craft better user experience with the designer. Uh, But this is not the first stage. The first stage of the UX writer is actually participating in the research phase, which is understanding who is the audience Who is he speaking to? Um, How does the audience would like to be talked to? How to create conversation with the audience? Uh, Define personas on a conversational level and also define the character of the product itself. How does my product sound like if he was a person? Uh, Which kind of words do we use? Which kind of grammar should we use? Are we empowering? Are we... You know, there is so many stuff that you can define in the content style guide as a UX writer. And then, like designers have design systems today that keeping product teams aligned around the design. So the content style guide create all of the UX writers, like make sure that all of the UX writers are aligned uh, with all of the products of the company. So if I'm creating different dashboards and products for my company, let's say I'm working for Airbnb and we have a mobile app and a desktop app, and those are two different product teams, so the product will still sound and the text will be will still be the same uh, because there is a content style guide that was defined by the UX writer. Airbnb actually called it a content strategist, but that's uh, tomatoes, tomatoes, if you ask me.
0: <laughs> okay, so I don't think there too many UX writers listening to us right now. So let's say UX designers who are listening to us want to want to do that well themselves because more often than not, we are working within smaller teams and we can't afford, you know, hiring a special expensive consultant for that. So UX designers and founders themselves who, who, who do that, how can they get better? So stage number one you mentioned is uh, defining the audience and defining the tone of voice or the character of the language. So tell us a bit more about that. How do you do that? And more importantly, how do you document it so that it's clear not to just yourself, but to other people on the team?
1: Cool, that's a great question. Uh, So there is many different ways to test uh, and to define the content of the app. Uh, And it starts with the, the first you do the research and this is something a lot of designers are already familiar with but UX writing research is a little bit different. Uh, I would recommend if you are a designer in a small product team and you can't afford a writer so use, use those UX writing methodologies like going for um, let's say first of all your designers so define your persona you know how to do it already but then Go to where your audience is and figure out how to speak with them. You can do it with a unique interview in which you analyze their language. You can do it even in going through Amazon reviews or Facebook groups or Reddit groups, and just see how does your users talk and how would they like to be speak, speak like how to speak and how to create conversation, conversations with your users. Uh, A great technique that I like teaching is a technique in which you go to one of your personas, one of your potential users, but um, as a user research, so you uh, choose a person, you speak with him, and then you give him um, pen and paper. And you do this bubble methodology when you tell them, different scenarios in the product that you want to achieve, like different paths, different user journeys. And you tell them, if you had to speak with the interface right now, what would you say in order to achieve X goal? Let's say that we're an Airbnb. So what would you do in order to uh, book a room in Tijuana, Mexico? So then you tell him, what would you tell the interface what and, and you tell him also to write, what would the interface say back? And then there is this back and forth bubble uh, exercise when people are just filling pages and then you understand exactly how they would like to speak, with the con- like how to create a conversation with the interface and how they would like for the, inter- for the interface to talk to them. So this is one technique uh, of uh, user research uh, that helps us to define the voice and tone of our product. Mm-hmm. Just an example.
0: So it gives you an idea so, so it gives you an idea how to talk, but is there any special way to kind of fix that concept, or is it a very abstract concept that only exists in form of a you know, set of phrases? Uh, or is there a better way to define it and explain it to others?
1: It's starts very abstract and if you look at the content style guides of the largest companies like Shopify and MailChimp, you can also mm-hmm. uh, put those links in the show notes because this is a great example of how a structure of a content style guide should look like. So I will send you those links, you can add those. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks a bit abstract, but when you craft it in words uh, inside of the interface with the designers, it makes much more sense. So first of all, you need to define a problem with the designer. Which kind of problems are we trying to solve now? And then you're trying to figure out together how to design the perfect experience that solved that problems using words and pixels.
0: So essentially, you are taking the research materials, um, don't really... Uh verbalize the outcome and then dive into the design process and try to apply what you have, specific phrases and words and character to the problem. So it, it only exists in practice, sort of speaking. <laughs> exactly.
1: And even in the research phase, when I'm coming to the persona and when I'm talking with the persona, I'm also telling the... And when I'm saying persona, I mean that I define a persona and then I found a potential user that might fit... Uh, that type of persona so even when I speak with them in the research phase I try to figure out how would they like to solve the problems that we have in our interface right now creating conversation is not something it's something that you do which is based on research uh, in order to solve the problems that the, your interface might have or to create even better better experiences uh, for your app
0: Let's say you have a pretty big app and just uh, just pasting text into the actual wireframes isn't good enough way of storing this of storing your decisions about you know the way you decide, the way you name your call to action buttons throughout the app and throughout mobile apps, and so on and so forth. So, how do you how do you store your decisions besides wireframes, or do you just pass over your wireframes to your mobile team, let's say, so that they can uh, have a their take at the copy?
1: So, as I said before, just like designers today have design systems, mm-hmm. which contains a style guide, which means. This is how a button should look like. This is how a nav bar should look like. This mm-hmm. is how a drop-down menu should look like. So there is also a content style guide, which is the design system of the UX writers. So you, after your research, you craft your research um, outcomes into the content style guide in which you structure Mm-hmm. And, as you know, design system is a never ending process it 's iterating and you improve it all the time right you one day you with one color and the other day you with different color one day you with one button and the second day you with completely different button right mm-hmm. The same goes with microcopy and with UX writing. You define your first style guide based on your first research, but then, when you start testing it, you iterate that as well, and then you improve that one as well in order to convert better with your product
0: can you tell us a little bit more what goes inside such style guide you mentioned that those examples like shopify and mailchimp are great and that's great but we uh, haven't looked at them yet and uh, so maybe you could describe a little more should we decide to put together our own what should actually go in there uh, is it like descriptive copy saying like your language should be friendly and <laughs> you should call your users friends and uh, <laughs> things like that. Uh, what, how is it structured?
1: <laughs> that's a really good question. And that's what it's it get really, really interesting because writing for your company is not only a product process. It's also a process that implemented in all of the marketing materials and the social posts and Twitter and LinkedIn and every, every place that the company exists the company must follow that kind of style guide. So it's a kind of a collaboration between the product team and between the marketing team, which is kind of amazing. And in general, I think also that UX design is a marketing methodology as well because sometimes we craft different kind of experiences because we want to sell our product better, right? If I'm crafting experience for booking right now, uh, booking.com, uh, so uh, the product team over there tried to make the the team of, of booking to earn more money using uh, all kinds of sales and different kinds of uh, AI implementation in order to create better experience for the user so it will spend more money in the website so I believe that UX is a methodology that goes hand in hand with marketing and I think it's a positive thing so back to your question you said which kind of Components must be in a content style guide. So that, the content style guide must have component, components that define all of the content materials that are going outside of the company and inside of the company for the marketing materials and for the product materials, like writing goals and principles. And like, we're going to empower our users, we're going to respect our user, we're going to educate, we're going to guide And this is when I said that things are getting a bit abstract because you can't craft uh, empowering into words immediately, right? It's not like do that. Empowering is a broad word. But you start with the broader stuff. You start with the abstract stuff like you do with design. And then you define the voice and tone, which is if a product was a human being, how would it sound like? Um, How would we imagine our product as a human being? Is he friendly? Is it, um, it Janine? What exactly does it do? And the tone, it's more about in different context, how would our product, which is a human being right now, how would you speak? Let's say that Jane, you are a person, right? You're different when you're speaking with me, but when you speak to a baby, for example, your tone is a little bit different, right? <laughs> you bet, <laughs> yes. Perfect, so, but, but Jane is still the same, right? Mm-hmm. Good, so Jane is the voice. Jane, the character of the product, is the voice, but the tone is how Jane, how you, are speaking with different, in different kind of scenarios. Which means, how would our product would speak on an error situation, or how would a product speak in a navigation situation or in confirmation page, or when it's solving when the product is solving problems, it will have different tones. So we have to define those as well in the content style guide. So that's what I'm, that's why I'm meaning when I'm saying voice and tone, what would be the character of the product and how would it act on different scenarios within our product as well. And, um, and more technical stuff would go for the content style guide, like uh, grammar and uh, even, I said, uh, marketing stuff. So how to write uh, blog post and how to write uh, technical documentation and how to write legal content and how to write emails and newsletters. And another important part of UX writing is localization. So how would we translate our content to different kind of markets? So this is a complete different story. Oh,
0: don't even start there. (laughs) We've had a couple episodes, I'm going to link to them in the show notes. But yes, it's a big one.
1: (laughs) That's a huge one. So basically, Mm -hmm. in the style guide, there must be also something we like to call and a lot of companies have it today, like MailChimp, as I said before, but Facebook have it too, and Google have it too. And it's a localization style guide, that sits within the content style guide, in which, a, I would call it also a translation style guide. How to, which kind of content we would like to translate, and it must have a strong core before it's going to different kind of markets, so our products will have the same character, even if it's on different, completely different markets, like in India, or uh, China, or Europe, or America, or Australia it's completely different ways to, to speak and to create conversations so that's why we need a localization style guide to be honest I'm not a localization expert I'm working with a localization expert and she uh, teach me a lot about that but I have a long way to do uh, <laughs> with getting better with my uh, localization uh, methodologies
0: so the next question would be the product so I'm going to be talking about web applications because that's what I what I do. We talk about SaaS a lot here. Uh so there are a lot of things like button copy, uh error messages, different kind of notifications. They don't even have their own place in the wireframes because wireframes sometimes they just, you know, give you the pattern and then everything else is added while the product is being set live. So is there any special place, I don't know, a document uh, a library or or anything where the UX writer works. What other tools that can later get passed over to the team?
1: Mm-hmm. So that's a really good question, and basically what I'm uh, I'm also uh, preaching is teaching. Uh, and this is my own methodology, and there are many methodologies. There are writers that will tell you that they first writing the, the core of the amphitheater map and all of the voice and tone in uh, Google Docs, and then they hand it out to, or even Google Slides, and then they hand it out to design. But I believe that this is a broken process, and then that's why I developed my own process, which is uh, teaching the writers how to work with design tools which is not that complicated. It's not Photoshop that was a little bit more complicated. Right now, you know the design tools. There is Adobe XD, Figma, and Sketch, and they have more or less the same interface, right?
0: Very much similar, yeah.
1: Cool. So it's not that complicated for a writer to open, let's say, Figma, which is a collaborative design tool, so everybody could be connected to the same design. And to just craft their words on top of that document. And I'm not saying writing inside of the screens, I'm saying under every screen, writing um, what is the context of this screen? What do we want to achieve? What is our goal as a company? Answer those questions and then with the voice and tone that you defined from the research, craft the text all over the wireframes. So I'm basically preaching writers to work with design tools so the collaboration between design and writing would be uh, stronger. And I also encourage writers, sorry, I'm, I'm also encouraging designers to use this, that methodology to create this kind of an empathy map for creating text on top of the design, uh, design file, like under every screen, define exactly which kind of problems are you trying to solve with words. And then it will make it much easier for you guys to actually create the content for those wireframes. And it will make it much more accurate for the users as well.
0: So there are technical details. Like um, one important thing is, let's say, capitalization. So that needs to be part of your guide. Like where do you capitalize headlines or where you don't capitalize headlines or call to action copy. But generally speaking, UX writer is not assumed to be a grammar expert, let's say. So in the ideal world, if you're building a truly polished product, would you need another person, a grammar and spelling expert, an editor, come in and uh, look over the copy that you've got together for the product?
1: So that's a really good question. And this is kind of a way to solve that problem today when we don't have a lot of UX writers out there, but we have a lot of very talented writers. So... Mm -hmm a lot of UX designers practicing UX writing today. And this is what I do because I'm not a native English speaker and I must have a native English speaker to go over the interface that I write, okay? Mm-hmm. So I use and I practice all of the UX writing methodologies that I know and that I developed and that I curated as a UX designer and just, just give the, the fine tuning for a writer, a copywriter. But I just, I still believe that this is a broken process. And in my agenda, I believe that there should be a writer in the product team and it should work with the designer. But you ask about the problem, that is a very common problem today, but it's only a problem because we don't have enough UX writers today. So when we will have Mm -hmm. enough UX writers uh, that are expert and they know, and those writers would know uh, UX writing and UX design methodologies, it will make the process much easier and less broken. So they could actually participate from the early stage of the product design and development. Um, but uh, this is the current solution I found out. Uh, I don't believe it's a good solution, but uh, I, I believe this is temporary. And in two three years, we will see just more and more UX writers. And you will see that even the, with, with small startups, they will figure out that they should definitely, uh, one of their first hires in the company should be a, a writer.
0: My question was primarily rooted into my own experience with all kinds of publishing processes. So whenever there is a writer and they might not need an editor, like to actually, uh, edit the content of their, uh, of their work, but every kind of human process needs to be proofread, um, <laughs> just because there is always place for human error. So you, uh, you're saying that, that there is a layer of, of that as well above the editor or above the UX writer.
1: Yes because uh, as you said nobody's perfect and we, we <laughs> and there must be a lot of uh, copy iteration before iterations before we go to our final version I participated in this copywriting course when the teacher of that course started saying that we should consider only the 20th iteration of writing to actually put it inside of our uh, to pre- to put it inside of our content so uh, Yes, there should be a lot of fine-tune, a lot of proofread, paraphrasing uh, in order to make it more clear, concise, and useful. Uh, But another important thing is that it must be out as well, right? Sometimes, even as designers, we kind of doing everything pixel perfect, and everything must be in the right location, the right time, but we have deadlines, right? So iterate as much as you can, Make it as perfect as you can, but don't forget that there must be deadlines, and people are depends on us. And those people are developers, and the developers uh, take the developers takes much more time in order to develop the product. So there is a complete system to operate. So we we can't spend sh- spend that much time to fine tune it, but we just have to deliver it at some point.
0: Uh, While we are wrapping up the episode, I I would love to have your opinion about a few points, you know, down from from the skies to to the, you know, solid grounds of practice. Um, Certain really challenging situations that all of us face, uh, I don't know, should we say done or should we say save? Should we use action verbs in our call to action buttons? Um, Any other uh, advice like that? Uh, some practical tips that you're teaching in your courses and websites. Um, could you share a little bit of that with our uh, listeners? And also, please tell me which is login or sign-in, because that's my challenge forever <laughs> throughout.
1: <laughs> well, This is, this is a, a huge discussion even in my Facebook group, that people say yeah. login <laughs> or sign-in. Every product has its own needs, okay? Sometimes... It will be okay to write done. Sometimes it will be okay to write finish. And the most important thing to do is just to um, see the results of those buttons, see how they convert. And this is something that we haven't talked about uh, today, but I'm definitely talking about it in my course, which is how to test microcopy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have our gut feeling, which is one thing in design and also in writing and we have to release it. It's like you would ask me what color is better, red or blue? You know, you can't answer it. It really depends on the context. So you just test it, you iterate it, you see what works better. And there is all kinds of testing tools that we use in order to collect data of how our copy operates. And, uh, um, and also the, the research is a never ending process. So We keep speaking to our users and figure out uh, what was less clear, what was more clear, what can we change. And just speaking with users, it's the easiest thing you can do because speaking out loud and talking with our users, it's making so much sense about how our product should speak with our users. So just continue with the research. There isn't any uh, one solid answer like uh, red or blue it's very, <laughs> it's very depends on the context and very depends on the product values. And what you should ask yourself is, okay, which kind of product are you working right now, for example?
0: Oh, all right. So we have a user list, which is an email uh, tool for uh, SaaS founders. So we use it, we help people send emails during life cycle for customers.
1: Cool. So after define the voice and tone of user list, you will have much better understanding of, wait, so if a product is like this kind of character and that's the voice and tone, can we use that word right now in our interface or can't we? Just like you have a style guide and someone using this weird pink color and then you say to him, listen, you have a style guide, you can't use this pink right now. So the same goes, <laughs> the same goes with text. In, if someone using this, hectic, complicated world right now that doesn't align with the brand voice and tone and the brand values, you just figure out that you can't use that.
0: Absolutely. Actually, I can link to an exercise that we did with my co-founders a year ago when we got together. It's called the brand sprint exercise. And you get together for a couple hours and you get to answer a few questions like defining the character, the values and things like that, that really kind of help you originate those conversations for the copy and everything down the road. So I'm going to link to the article that uh, teaches how to do that as well.
1: Exactly. And this is why I'm feeling feeling so comfortable in the UX writing uh, field right now, even though I'm not originally a writer, because it's a lot about uh, the UX field. It's a lot about using UX research and UX workshop methodologies within the writing industry. So there's a lot of connection between those two. Like we have a style guide, we have the content style guide and those are very similar
0: systems. One more question. Um, You already mentioned Shopify and MailChimp. Are there any other modern software uh, companies and tools that you particularly think are nailing it with their copy and their UX copy?
1: Oh yeah. So first of all, huge shout out to the UX writing team of Dropbox. Those guys are doing, an amazing job. There is a guy named John Sado in this team, and the, the content that that guy produced, and I'm talking about articles right now about his methodologies, helped so many people in that in- industry that you wouldn't believe. So put that in the show notes for sure. And everything that they, like they have a complete blog about UX writing, the Dropbox team. So everything those guys are writing about, listen to it, it's amazing. And I know that actually they're looking right now for a UX writer that know a little bit about design system because they're developing their own content style guide. That's the thing, there aren't a lot of companies that have a well-established content style guide because it's a relatively new field. Uh, I would say that Google have a reasonable style guide with their material, material design uh, design system. So they have a branch about content. But there are a few more companies. But, you know, even the, the, the great team of Dropbox, that they, they have this huge methodologies, methodologies they're developing. Even their, they don't have this solid content style guide. And also, it's another thing that a lot of companies figure out today how to structure that style guide. So that's what I teach in my course because I interviewed people from all of those companies that created the style guide and craft it to my own kind of methodology.
0: Well, thank you so much, Yuval. Where can people find your work online and uh, your awesome community?
1: So basically, uh, go for uxwritinghub.com. This is my website. And this is the one-stop shop for UX UX writers (laughs) all over the world. There is a blog, a job board, a newsletter, and also a course. And we're going to have many more courses in the future about uh, localization practices and creating uh, voice interfaces and stuff like that. So that's about it. We have also the Facebook community, which is Microcopy and UX Writing, which is the largest discussion group in the world for UX writers. And you can definitely contact me uh, at uval at uxwritinghub.com and talk with me about UX writing or anything you want to know about this amazing developing uh, field.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much once again for sharing your wisdom with us today.
1: Thank you yeah. for having me.
0: Yeah, I hope you, you teach more and more writers so we have special people helping us in this industry.
1: we <laughs> Will do, we will do. This is my mission.
0: Amazing. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much.